Welcome to the Healing Journeys Today podcast. Today we've got an amazing message of hope and healing just for you. God's Word never returns to Him void, so let this message sink deep into your heart so that you can walk out your complete healing journey today. Hey guys, welcome back to uh, Healing Journeys Today. Uh, I'm Dylan Moffitt. I get the privilege of sharing with you guys today. Um, hope you've been enjoying the messages and, the, and the, just the teaching so far. Uh, I just kind of want to shift gears a little bit and um, I really, I have in my heart just really to dive in deep to righteousness and um, ultimately just the gospel that we've been given in, in Christ. Um, you know, Romans Romans chapter 1 says that, or Paul was saying in Romans chapter 1 that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? For in it, in it, in the gospel, it is the righteousness of God revealed. Um, and I know I'm paraphrasing that, but just in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in in what we are called to preach and what we are called to feed on is the gospel, and in that the righteousness of God is revealed. I mean, we all we all know the story of, of Adam and Eve. We all know the the fall of man, what that looks like, and what happened to, when when man sinned and let sin enter into the world. But I just love that. It, simply put is is Jesus came to restore what Adam lost in the garden and Adam walked in fellowship with God Adam walked in relationship with God Adam didn't have anything separating him from God Adam didn't have anything um, between him and the father he lived in perfect union with man and I would say like God if you think about this like outside of relationship what need does man or what need does God have for man in his creation? Right? Outside of relationship, what need does God have for man? He doesn't. God doesn't, he doesn't need us. He chose us, right? We, we, he loves us and that's why he chose to create man. So outside of love and relationship with God, we're never going to find our purpose because that's what we were created for. Right? That's why I say everybody's longing for a relationship with Jesus. Everyone's longing for God. Everyone's longing to be loved by the Father. They just don't know it. I would always tell people, I remember the Lord spoke it to me once. He's like, Dylan, everybody's everybody wants everybody wants Jesus. They just don't know it. Everybody they everybody will love him when they first experience his love. I mean that's what first John says is nobody loves God first but that he loved us, right? So that we never just wake up one day and make the decision to love God and pursue Him. So we have to understand that that the the way that we experience and the way that we um, have relationship and fellowship with God is just this love romance relationship to where we respond to His first love, right? If if you're here today and it's like you have a you're struggling to love God or you you feel like you're not loving God well. I remember this one time I was in Bible college. Um, I'm seeking Jesus for hours a day, like hours and hours. I, I, I didn't have a job. I'm looking for a job. So I'm just sitting at home seeking Jesus. And I remember I'm sitting in, I remember where I was and I remember I had my face in my um, in my chair, like on the ground, I'm on my knees. And I'm like, man, Lord, I feel like I don't love you well. And he's like, Dylan, he goes, it's not that it's not that you love God, but that He loves you, right? He's like Dylan. It's not that you love me, but it's I love it's I love you. If you if I, if you're feeling like you don't love God well, or you don't love people well. The same thing is, 
in that moment, the Lord just says, Dylan, you're not receiving my love. You haven't sat and just received my love. He's like, you don't, you're, you're more aware of your love for me than you are of my love for you. What's funny is, I mean, we all know the story of Mary and Martha is, is like lovers get more done than doers, but doers always try to <laughs> try to show their love by doing, right? And I'm, I fall in that trap all the time. And it's like, because my heart is for Jesus. And that's the thing is like, I'm not condemning anybody. And I, I, that's why I talk about it all the time is because I find myself in that place a lot. And I have to really guard my heart is because out of a pure heart, you want to do things for Jesus. Out of a pure heart, you want to see people get healed. You want to, you want to share the love of Jesus. You want to disciple people. You want to, you want to do the things that he's called you to do. You want to pursue him. You want to spend time with him. You want to pray. You want to read your Bible. All these things are amazing things, but when they're not done from the place of love, and they're not done from an overflow of your of his love for you, then they start to become works and you start to you're not trying to earn God's love, but you're just trying to show it. And and it's like it's like right now in this place, we should be as we should be super thankful and we should be super restful in the place where we're at with Jesus right now. Does that make sense? It's like I remember the Lord asked me, and he's like, Dylan, like, are you where you want to be in your relationship with me? And I'm like, no, Lord, of course not. Like, there's so many other things I want to grow in, and there's so many other things I want to see. He's like, okay, like, what, what does that look like to you? And I'm like, and I start thinking about it, and it's like, he goes, so everything that you're doing right now would be the same thing that you would be doing in that place where you think you're supposed to be, Right? And most of the time, it's just somebody that we picture that we say, right? A pastor or a preacher or somebody that we're like, man, I want to be like them because we're comparing ourselves among ourselves and we've, we've proven that we're foolish and we're not wise, right? Like Corinthians says, as we look at other people's lives and we say, man, I don't have that relationship or I don't have that relationship or I don't, I don't speak to God like that or he doesn't talk to me like that or he doesn't use me like that. And all these things are us comparing ourselves among ourselves and we're just not wise, right? The Lord's like, Dylan, all those areas... He goes, are awesome for you to pursue, but if you're not satisfied with where you're at in Christianity, if you're not satisfied in where you're at in your relationship with me, then you'll never be satisfied and you'll never see those things because you're always be, you'll always be judging yourself of where you're not, not where, not excited and thankful for where you are. Does that make sense? Like if my marriage with my wife, if I, if I'm not satisfied in my marriage with my wife, I can never value and celebrate somebody else's marriage, right? I can never say, man, I'm so thankful that they got to go on that vacation. I can never say, wow, I'm so thankful that, that he bought her that whatever, or she bought him that car. Or she, you know, I can never be thankful because I would always be judging and comparing it to my re relationship. But if I'm flourishing, right? If I'm thankful for where I'm at in my relationship with Jesus, if no matter what, I'm right now in this moment, I'm thankful. Yes, there's things I want to grow in. Yes, there's things I want to do. Yes, there's things I want to experience with you, Jesus. And I'm pursuing those things, but I'm not condemning myself for where I'm not, but I'm thankful for what I have. Then I can always look at somebody else's relationship with God or look at some place I want to go in God and be thankful that, man, Lord, we're going to that place, man. I'm, and I would take the good and I would apply it to my own relationship. And I'd be like, man, like, I'm so thankful that they talk to you like that, Lord. Like, I want to grow in that. And it wouldn't be me judging and per and projecting that where I'm not. It'd be, be me encouraging 
right? Strengthening, looking at people and their, their life and their pursuit of Jesus is encouraging me. That's why community is so important if we understand it in a healthy place, right? The reason that God has us in community and in church, right, in a local body of believers is because I can look at other people's lives and say, man, I really value the way that they, they love their wife. I really value the way that they talk to Jesus. I really value the way that, that they pursue people on the streets and they pray for people on the streets. Like, I want to see that in my life. But if I'm judging myself for where I'm not, then I'm never going to be in a healthy community and I'll never give myself to healthy community because I'm always looking at their relationship and I'm judging my own. What God wants us to do is He wants us to be established in our relationship with Jesus He wants us to be so solidified in the truth of who we are and who he's called us to be and just to be flourishing with him in our knowing that when we see something, he puts it in front of us so that he encourages us to go after it, right? It's like when somebody shares a testimony, it's not you saying, well, how come I don't see that? Or how come they got healed and I didn't get healed? Or how come they saw somebody get healed and I didn't? It's not. It's man, I'm so thankful that God's working through them. And because you're satisfied and you know him, you're like, man, Lord, you can literally just, if he was, let's pretend that he's not inside of you and he's right next to you because he's inside of you, right? Let's pretend he's right next to you and you go, man, Lord, I really want that right there. Let's go after that. And he'd be like, in a healthy relationship, he'd be like, yeah, that's why you're experiencing it. That's why I'm putting that in front of you, right? That's why that person shared that with you because I'm drawing you into it. He's like, let's go after it, right? Let's pursue that. And let's be me and you go after that truth because it's a romance relationship. Does that make sense? Like think about Adam in the garden in Genesis chapter 2 when God creates man or one, one or two, one of the two. He creates man, <laughs> he creates man on the sixth day, and on the seventh day, God rested. Adam's first day on the job is him enjoying relationship with, with, with the Father apart from anything he has to do. Because out of that place proceeds everything else we do in Christianity. That's why righteousness is so important, is because God looked at your life all the sins, all the failures, everything that you created because of sin, all the mistakes and the pain, and he says, I'm going to take that away so that from this place, man, you're going to be who you always created, who I always created you to be, right? That's why John the Baptist said Jesus is this Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Righteousness is the birthplace of intimacy. Righteousness. Uh, understanding of right standing with God that sin has been taken away and righteousness is now the revelation of who I am is the birthplace of relationship and intimacy with God because if you always have a I mean we see it in the garden if we have a sin conscious mind if we have a mindset set on the mistakes and the failures and the things that we we wish we didn't do and the person that we wish we never were if we have a mindset on that, we can never have a relationship with God because we will always hide ourselves from his voice. We'll always hide ourselves from him in the cool of the day. Does that make sense? So think about this. When we have a clear understanding of relationship, or if we have a clear understanding of righteousness, it will produce relationship in our life. If we understand that when we wake up with Jesus in the morning. Every morning, you are right with God based on your faith in Jesus. You are right with God based on your faith alone. Not because you worked hard, not because you did anything, but because, you, because you've been made righteous because of his blood and you just believed what he did. And you gave yourself to that truth. 
From that place, man, it will produce such a revelation of relationship in your heart. It'll produce such a understanding of, man, I'm right with God. Now I can go from this place and enjoy relationship with Jesus. You'll get so much more done in the kingdom and you'll experience so much more in your relationship with Jesus because you've let the revelation of righteousness do what it does in your life. Does that make sense? Look at look at Hebrews um, chapter. I think it's four. Um, Hebrews chapter four. Yeah, verse verse um. Man, this is so good. I'm struggling. I should read. I should just read all of Hebrews is what we should do. But we can't. We don't have time. Um, Jesus is talking about rest right here. Or not Jesus, but the writer of Hebrews. (laughs) In verse 1, it says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. And he's talking about the, the Israelites in, in the Old Testament as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. As he said, I, so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest, as though the works were finished, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Right, so there's a rest for the people of God. There's a rest that comes from a revelation and an understanding of the gospel and the gospel of Jesus, which is the righteousness of God revealed. One of the things that I I see in my life and I see in people's lives is when there is a lack of intimacy, when there's a lack of relationship with Jesus, it's usually a lack of understanding of righteousness. The the righteousness I mean look at Ephesians. Look at Ephesians chapter chapter 2, I believe. Ephesians chapter 2. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm struggling with my Bible. Yeah. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13 it says but now in Christ Jesus in Christ Jesus you who once were a far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ man for he himself is our peace who has made in verse 14 who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, 
so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity, right? Putting to death what was separating you. And he came and preached, preached peace to you who were afar off and those who were near. For through him, we both, he's talking about Jew and Gentile, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Right, so Jesus and this is what we have to see is Jesus, by his sacrifice, his goal was to bring us back into relationship with the Father. John chapter 14 talks about, like, we, we, we read it all the time. Is He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Right? So he's right before that, he talks about, in my Father's house are many mansions, many dwelling places. I go to prepare a place for you. If we understand that Jesus Jesus is going to prepare a place for us in the Father. That we always read that scripture as if he's going to heaven to prepare a place for us and then he's going to come and receive us. No, he he went to prepare a place for us in the Father and then he came back. He came back after he put his blood on the mercy seat, after he established the new covenant. He came back and then brought us near by his blood back into the place where Adam lost, right? Because of righteousness. Now he's going to come a second time and receive us completely the full revelation, the full understanding, the full redemption of our body and creation. That's what he's coming for a second time. We all agree on that, to judge the living and the dead. But Jesus prepared a place for us in the Father or he wouldn't have said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. You can look at it in John 14, verse, I think it's four or five. Three or four or five. But if we don't understand that, if we don't understand that Jesus is the way to the Father, then we're going to live our lives separated from true relationship with Jesus. That's why he says, this is eternal life that they might know you, the, true, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Because what we've been given in righteousness is eternal life. We all know for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right, So the wages, the, the, the result of sin was death, separation from God. But the, the gift of God is eternal life, which is knowing Him in Jesus Christ our Lord. So because of Jesus, we can come to Him confidently and faithfully and enjoy relationship with the Father. So think about this in your life. Just practically, every morning and every night, you can wake up and go to bed knowing that you're right with God because of what Jesus has done. Do you understand why we worship Jesus? This is why we worship him. This is why his name's on billboards. This is why his, it's not my ministry, your ministry. It's Jesus Christ and that's why we lift him up and we lift him high. It's because he brought us back to relationship with God and that's what was separating us with sin and Jesus came and paid for it. Right? There was one thing, we, because of what we had done and the mistakes that we made, it separated us from God. So God thought it necessary to send his son to bring us back. That's amazing to me. And we should just camp on that. It's not an elementary message. It's not an Easter message. It's not a simple message. We need to live in that revelation. We need to encourage people with the gospel. We need to continue every day, every night, no matter what we're going through, the answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? 
It's the it says Roman says it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. It is the power of God. So if we can understand that relationship with Jesus will become relationship with Jesus, relationship with the Father will become so simple because of just one man's sacrifice, right? I always tell people that if you want to think of it practically, you can lay your head on your pillow and just go, man, Father, I'm thankful because of the blood of Jesus, man. I've been made free in my life and I can relate to you and have relationship with you every hour, every second of every day. And I've been brought near because of the blood of Jesus. Man, if we would just say those words right there when we woke up and when we went to bed, I think our lives would look a lot differently, right? Now, when we made a mistake, if we have a failure, if something happens, we come to him and we say, man, Lord, we're thankful that you're our advocate, Jesus, that the blood of Jesus is still speaking better things on my behalf. I don't want this in my life. I want to I see this thing change, but I'm coming to you knowing that, man, your sacrifice is still speaking better things on my behalf. And I, <coughs> excuse me, I can come to you knowing, knowing that I have a place with you always because your blood is speaking better things on my behalf. Do you see how an understanding of this truth and of this revelation produces righteousness or produces relationship in our hearts? That's why, like I said before, righteousness is the birthplace. It, it, an understanding of righteousness births intimacy in our hearts. When we understand that Jesus paid such a high price for us to have relationship with him, then that's what we'll pursue. When we understand that Jesus did everything he did so that we would have relationship with God, then that needs to be our pursuit. That has to be our pursuit. Because we pursue a lot of other things in Christianity and we, and we do a lot of other things and call it successful. When Jesus paid a high price for me and for you and everybody we encounter to know God, that's the goal, right? I love Jeremiah. It talks about, um, I can't remember. I think it's in Jeremiah chapter nine, but it just says, let not a wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not a rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he knows and understands me, right? So let us not just pursue riches and wisdom because I think a lot of times we think that uh, wisdom and knowledge is our goal. We think that the more we know, the more time we spend studying, the more time we spend listening to teachings, the more time we spend learning more, is, is that's maturity in Christianity. Or that's, that's the goal of Christianity. When the goal of Christianity is knowing him. So if your knowledge is not taking you to a place of knowing Jesus, then you need to question why you're getting so much knowledge. Right? If what you're... If the, if what you're learning and what you're in the teaching that you're hearing and all these things, is it producing a, a desire for intimacy? Because this is what I've seen and this is what I've noticed in my heart is a lot of times, a lot of times the people that know a lot or even myself in, in situations or in, in areas or topics in my life where I have a lot of knowledge, I usually get the most condemned in. Does that make sense? People that have the most knowledge are usually the people that have the most, are usually struggle with a lot of condemnation. Because, and this is why, is because we can learn so much. We can have so much teaching and we can hear so many sermons and we can read so much Bible. But if we don't take that truth and let it become our reality, if we don't take that truth and go spend time with Jesus, 
If we don't take that truth and say, man, Lord, I will, Holy Spirit, teach this revelation to me. Let it become my reality and let it become who I am, not just something I know. What will happen is your revelation or your truth that you know will start to become um, a judge or it'll, yeah, it'll start to judge you, right? So you'll get thrown in a situation where you're like, Man, I know I'm supposed to love my wife like I like Christ loves the church, but I'm not doing it. Now all your revel all your knowledge, all your understanding of scripture, all your understanding of the person of Jesus is starting to turn and condemn you and show you where you're not and where you're not measuring up. And now you get caught in this cycle of, well, I just need to spend more time and learn more and I need to understand more. And that's not always the case, right? Because all that knowledge is actually turning and condemning you. Like you can learn all day long that you're supposed to pray for the sick and then you walk by somebody that's sick. You'll be, you'll be super condemned knowing that you're supposed to pray for that person or supposed to heal that person. Or you, and now your knowledge is starting to condemn you and now you don't want to go to Walmart or you, want to go to, you don't want to go to Costco. You just, you're going to stay at home because you're going to see more people that you want to pray for and you know you're not going to. And the whole time your knowledge is condemning you. Does that make sense? And I say that example because I live like that. Like I'm like, Lord, I don't want to go out because I know there's so many people I'm supposed to pray for and I'm scared or I'm nervous and I don't, and it's like, I know all these things and I know I'm supposed to and I've actually seen people get healed, but I feel scared. And it's like all of these things start to just trap you because of your knowledge. That's what Jesus is talking about in John chapter six when he says to the Pharisees, he's like, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, but these testify of me. Right? These scriptures testify of me as a person, and you're unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. So this is why the scriptures, the truth, even teaching, anything you see is supposed to springboard you into a relationship with Jesus. Right? So when I read something, right, I, I, I spend time and I'm like, man, Lord, I see this right here that that I'm supposed to I'm supposed to, to, to bring the kingdom of heaven. I'm supposed to bring the kingdom of God and heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out demons. But I don't see that in my life. So I can take that truth and let that truth and just say, yeah, I know that. But there's a place to where in relationship with Jesus and because of, because of righteousness, I can come to him and say, man, Lord, you created me to live this way. You created me to walk in this because of righteousness, right? You took away sin. You took away my past. You took away my failures. You put me in this place to where I can be one with you and in relationship with you. Now I want this to become my reality, right? I want to see somebody that's sick and I want to feel what you feel and I want to pursue them. Because I know that compassion is going to stir me onto relate or to compassion is going to stir me onto a understanding of man. I need to heal these people. I want to go after this thing, and I'm going to see the fruit of it because of compassion. Right? the The commands of God were never meant for us to just go and do them. They were always meant for us to do them in relationship with God. Look at Adam in the garden. Adam has a job to heal, or to yeah, to heal all the animals. Adam has a job to name all the animals. Adam has a job to, to in relationship with God, he's supposed to go and do these things, right? It doesn't just say Adam went out and named all the animals. It says God brought the animals to Adam and Adam named them. So in co-laboring with God, man and God working together, bringing the will of God to to, to earth kind of sounds like our job as the, with the Lord's Prayer and as a disciple of Jesus is to bring the kingdom. But Adam, from a place of rest, from a place of pleasure, from a place of fellowship with God, he went out and did these things. 
right? He didn't, ha he didn't have to know what the Father's will was. He knew what it was. He didn't have to try to find, what, find out whether God was pleased with him. God was already pleased with him when he was resting, right? He didn't have to strive to get those things or do those things. He was already in the Father's will, in the Father's family, a son of God, didn't have to earn it. And then from that place, he went and did everything. So practically, what this looks like in our lives is we have to be people that rest in the relationship that we have with God. And I think, this is a good way to put it, is I think that we need to be people that that retreat and, and like fall back into the relationship with God, if that makes sense. So like when we encounter something, when we have a question, when we have a problem, when we when when something attacks our our, our when the enemy brings trials, when the enemy brings sickness, when the enemy, whatever the case may be, we need to be people that retreat to our relationship with God. Does that make sense? Because in our relationship with Jesus, the truth of the word, the truth that you've been learning, the truth that you've been hearing becomes alive and real, right? That's what, that's what the goal of scripture and the goal of truth is supposed to do, is God is supposed to bring and breathe on this truth and in your relationship, Holy Spirit starts to make it your reality, make it your understanding, make it your, your revelation so that, <coughs> excuse me, you get into a situation and now the truth and the intimacy and the relationship that you've built starts to fight your battles for you. Does that make sense? Because I think sometimes that we think, well, yeah, I know the answer on that subject or I understand the scripture. Or I can quote the scripture on that subject, but we haven't let that. We haven't let that truth now transition into a lifestyle and a way that we live and with the way that we breathe and the way that we, we respond and act and think, right? I see it all the time in, in my life is like, I'm super good at, I'm super, like, I tell people all the time, I'm like, I'm like, I can, I can answer the question, I can teach whatever you need me to teach, I can say whatever you want me to say from the scriptures, but like, when I'm by myself with the Lord, I want to, I'm want i like, Lord, I don't want this to just be a teaching. I don't want to just be able to give the right biblical answer. Because like you read this Bible and it will make you wise, right? Like this scriptures right here will give you serious, serious wisdom. And you'll know answers for problems and situations and things in your life. But there's a difference from knowing the wisdom and then knowing Him. Right? There's a difference between knowing the scriptures and knowing the person the scriptures are talking about. Does that make sense? Like I, I see it a lot in leadership in my life. Like when I'm leading and when I'm when I'm I'm doing things in church and things like that, like scripturally I know the answer and I know how to handle the situation. But I never want to do things out of principle. I always want to do things out of the presence, if that makes sense. Right? I, I never want to just do things because I know the right answer or I know how to minister, or I know how to respond, or I know how to, I know how to say the right things. I always want to do it on what the Holy Spirit's breathing on in the presence of Jesus. Right? I mean, a, a classic example is you look at Proverbs, it says, it says um, you know, don't answer a fool or share in his folly. The very next verse says, answer a fool quickly, though he be wise in his own mind. And it's like, okay, Lord, that seems like a total contradiction, but it's, there's a relationship with Holy Spirit and a relationship with God that you know what to do and you know how to apply the scripture, whatever the one may be, in that situation because you're in fellowship with Jesus, right? 
We know a lot of people that know a lot of word that don't look anything like Jesus. Right? So our goal is not understanding. Our goal is not, our goal is understanding, but our goal is to get that understanding and let it become our reality in relationship with him. So like practically, we need to take this scripture. We need to take the understanding of, of what we've become in righteousness, what we've become in the gospel, and take it to relationship with Jesus. And take it to understanding and knowledge with him, right? So you see something that like, like I, I, I use the example of loving your wife like Christ loves the church. So I'm saying, okay, Father, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to spend my time. I'm going to shut my door. I know that you've made me righteous. Does that make sense? I know that Jesus' blood has already transformed me into your new creation, into your new, the, 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 the man that you've created me to be, my spirit man, my heart has been made pure. Now my desire is to walk into that way. My desire is to look like you. And I might not be walking in it fully right now in this area of my life. So I come to him and I'm saying, Father, I know you're not condemning me. I know you're not judging me. I know you're not kicking me out. I know you're not at wit's end with me. I know that you love me. And, and all of heaven is, is here in this moment to make me, to make me more like you. Because my pursuit is to look like him, right? My pursuit is to be in relationship with him and look like him. So I say, Father, I just need you to show me my heart. I need you to, I need you to, to reveal your love to me more. Because obviously I'm not showing her patience. I'm not showing her love. I'm not showing her forgiveness because I haven't received that patience. I haven't received that forgiveness. I haven't received that love, right? Because everything in Christianity is you become something so that you overflow something right? You become, you receive unconditional love so that you can give unconditional love, right? Jesus does not say, hey, I want you to love your neighbor and love people well without first receiving unconditional love. It's funny because the two greatest commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Both of those are, are impossible unless you first receive the love of God, Right? Christianity is a byproduct of abiding in Jesus. And we all know that and we read John 15 all the time, but then we think that we can always do things in our own strength. I want us to be people that that when we when we see something that needs to change in our lives, when we when we see something in someone else's lives, man, we're thankful for where we're at in Christianity. We're thankful for where we're at in our relationship with Jesus and our walk with Holy Spirit and our walk with the Father. That we come and retreat to Him and say, Father, I want that right there. I might I, I notice that I've been treating my kids this way, or I notice that I've been thinking this way in my business, or I've been thinking this way in my in my identity, or I've been thinking this way, or whatever. I want that gone, Father. Would you shape me? Right? Now, now give me the scriptures. Give me the truth. Show me the word. Re reveal to me the, the understanding. And Father, chisel away everything that's not you. Start to change my mind. This is what renewing of your mind looks like. Because you're letting it become your reality. You're taking the scriptures and you're not just going, okay, yeah, I read that and I understand that. No, you're, you're letting it become your reality. And now Holy Spirit is making it the truth, right? Holy Spirit is making it something that you live and walk in. Because let's face it, if you have somebody that you look at, you're like, man, that person really loves well. That person loves people and they look like Jesus in the way that they act. What we think, we wouldn't say it that way, but what we think is they worked really hard for that. Or they strived, or they fasted, they prayed, they read their Bible, whatever the case may be. When in reality, it's a byproduct of believing what they've been created into. 
right? When we see something in someone's life and we see a pursuit in someone's life, we see a, we see a, or we see a fruit in someone's life and we want to pursue it. What we, we, what we need to pursue is we need to pursue from a place of rest. We need to pursue from a place of righteousness. We need to pursue from a place of what we've been given in Christ. Right? That, that God created. So you see, okay, just read your Bible and look at the way Jesus treated people. Look at the way Jesus treated people that treated him wrong. Look at the way Jesus treated people that did him wrong, that crucified him. Look at the way that Jesus treated people that betrayed him. <coughs> right? Jesus treated people completely different than the way that most of us treat people and the way that I've treated people in my life. So I'm like, Lord, I want to see people and I want that heart and that understanding and the way that you love those people and treated them, I want that in my life. I want to walk like that. I want to talk like that. I want to see people that way. There must have been, that, there must have been something that you knew and there must have been something that you saw that I don't see. But I know that you created me in that image. I know that you created me according to your likeness. And I know that you created me and my, the new creation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the righteousness that I've been given because I believe in you. I've been born after your spirit. I've been born after your image. So I know that I look like you and I want to pursue that. I just need to renew my mind to it. So you're coming from a place of rest. You're coming from a place of I'm Adam in the garden resting in God. I don't need anything. I don't... I'm not striving for anything, but I've been made the righteousness of God. But I want to see that thing played out and pursued in the way that I live and the way that I act. And that the next day, right, the day after my the understanding of righteousness and rest, man, I can go out and do what God is calling me to do in my co-laboring with him to look more like him and to bring his kingdom. But it has to come from a place of an understanding of righteousness. So practically, let's say, I, let's say as I close here, let's say that I want to love my wife well. I'm going to come to the Lord and know that I'm not, that he's, he's thankful that I shut that door and I want to look like him, right? The fact that I'm in the room, the fact that I want to look like him, the fact that I want to love my wife like Christ loves the church proves that I'm saved and proves that my heart's alive, proves that the, my nature is pure, proves that Jesus changed my life. So I sit in my room and I'm like, man, Lord, I need you. To, I need to receive your love well because nobody loves God first and nobody loves people first. They have to first receive that love. So Lord, I need you. I need to re just receive your love, and I need. Then I'll just spend time. Then I'm like, Lord, give me scriptures. Give me understanding. I'll pray in tongues. I'll pray in the Holy Spirit. I'll worship God. But I need to. I need to see that love for me first, and then the overflow will start to change my relationship with my wife. And I said, man, Lord, is there anything in my life that's not of you? Is there any mindset that's like causing me not to love her well? Is there any, is there any perspective that I'm thinking? Is there anything that I think that she owes me when she doesn't owe me anything? Father, because you've given me everything in Christ. And I let that truth start to become my reality in my relationship with Jesus. Does that make sense? So I just want to encourage you with that. It's like everything that you're learning is amazing and it's awesome. But make sure that you take that and let it become your reality in Jesus. Make sure you take that, that, that truth of righteousness and let it, let it produce its fruit to holiness, like, like Romans chapter 6 says. Let righteousness have its full work in you. Let it have its full work in you in relationship with God, that when you're receiving truth, it's not condemning you. Or when you see someone's relationship with God, 
or someone's pursuit of God or a testimony, it's not condemning you and making you feel bad, but it's, it's, it's stirring you and encouraging you in f to more of him because you know that, man, everything in God is available. All I have to do is believe, right? If it was by our own works and our own efforts, then, man, it wouldn't be obtainable for everybody because some people, some people are good workers and some people aren't. But if it's by faith in God that every man has what he has, every relationship or every every like the way that they treat their relationships, the way that they respond, if they look like Jesus, if there's something in their life that I want to model my life after, I know that all they did was believe. That means I can do the same thing. That's why we're called to make disciples of Jesus is because it's faith in him and relationship with him alone that changes everything. It's not my idea. It's not my pursuit. It's, it's, my, it's my pursuit of him. And if I can pursue him this way, then man, you can pursue him the same way. Right, so I want to encourage you with that. We'll share the. Uh, I think I have one more one more um, session with you guys, and uh, I want to share just a little bit more on righteousness the next time we get together, and just encourage you guys in this. But I appreciate you guys, and I love you guys. We love you. I hope this encourages you today. We hope you got some great nuggets of wisdom out of that teaching. Thank you for listening to the Healing Journeys Today podcast, and don't forget you can find us live on Facebook and YouTube seven days a week. If you would like to donate, please go to www.healingjourneystoday.com. Isaiah 53.5 says, And by His stripes, we are healed. God bless you.